Shalom, my friends, and welcome to the Roots of Flourishing podcast. I am Dr. Chris Lasante, and this is the podcast where we explore the roots of human flourishing through medical knowledge, philosophical reasoning, and theological insights. Episode 4, The Root of Harmony. In prior episodes, we talked about our multidimensional humanity, the importance of balance, and the key root concept of self-transcendence. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the second of our initial three criteria for human flourishing, that of harmony. Now, certainly the pressures that we spoke of in episode three, particularly from our psychosocial dyad, really keep us from self-transcendence. These pressures result in harm to our biologic dimension while distracting us from the spiritual dimension and thus preventing us from true human flourishing. In today's episode, we're going to see how harmony can prevent these problems. How does harmony add something that neither balance nor self-transcendence has? There are two areas that harmony helps us with. The first is that it reinforces and solidifies the notion that we should never harm one of the other dimensions. Now, balance usually infers this, but harmony makes it explicit. The second thing that harmony does is that it promotes the dimensions not just working well, but rather all working well together. This fact is summed up nicely with the expression, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. In order to realize the fullness and completeness of our humanity, we need to strive for incorporating as many dimensions of our humanity as possible into everything that we do. This will then leverage more than one dimension, contributing to real flourishing in every endeavor. A small example of this was a 2010 study performed at Massachusetts General Hospital and published in the famous New England Journal of Medicine, where patients with metastatic non-small cell lung cancer were compared between standard treatment versus palliative care with psychosocial support. Those in the palliative care group actually lived longer, reported better quality of life, and at lower cost than those receiving standard medical care. Thus, demonstrating how leveraging the other dimensions promotes human flourishing, even when one of our dimensions is stressed. The challenge is to be mindful of what we do and how we do things in order to maximize the number of dimensions that are engaged. We need to look past just touching on one or even two aspects of our humanity, but to truly strive for three or even all four dimensions. For instance, self-transcendence may only get us to two dimensions, such as in progressive muscle relaxation or even yoga, but striving for more dimensions will be optimal for our flourishing. Even though harmony is a great word, looking at some synonyms will help us to understand more fully what harmony is all about. The first one that comes to mind is integrity. Now, integrity frequently means saying or doing the right thing, such as telling the truth. However, integrity is far more than that, which we see from its root word, integrate. So, in order to live a life of integrity, we need to fully integrate all the dimensions of our humanity. This then leads us back to one of the two consequences if we do not live in harmony, and that is that we may harm another dimension. If we harm another dimension, then I am actually in a state of disintegration. 
Frequently, prioritizing our psychologic desires harms our biologic health, our social relationships, and our spiritual well-being, as we've seen in prior episodes, essentially leading to disintegration or a lack of wholeness. An application that comes to mind is one of moral injury. Now, many of us have not heard of moral injury because it's a more recently described phenomenon, but it's certainly not new to humanity. So, what is moral injury? Moral injury is the result from perpetrating, failing to prevent, bearing witness to, or learning about acts that transgress deeply held moral beliefs. This has been seen and best described in veterans from the Afghanistan and Iraq wars. The source of this is due to internal ethical conflicts that result in psychological, religious, or spiritual symptoms. The root cause is likely a harm to an important virtue, usually justice, and usually under a circumstance of an unjustified death. Dr. Harold Koenig and colleagues in a 2018 article in the journal Military Medicine state that moral injury has been strongly associated with post-traumatic stress disorder severity, depression, anxiety, relationship problems, and suicidality. Again, we need to be fully integrated, including our spiritual dimension where the virtues reside. The next synonym is shalom. Now, that's the greeting that I have for the podcast, and shalom is an important biblical word that is used 120 times in the Old Testament, in addition to being a common greeting in Jewish culture. Although we may think of shalom as a lack of conflict or a nice greeting, its meaning is much more most of the time. Dr. Jonathan Pennington, in his article entitled A Biblical Theology of Human Flourishing, says this about the use of shalom in 65% of its instances, described as flourishing when all the parts of one's life, health, economics, relations, are functioning together in harmony and completeness. Again, reinforcing the different and essential elements of our humanity and the importance of them all working together. Additionally, our contemporaneous culture has the phrase win-win, exhorting us to find ways that both ourselves and others can win or flourish. Thus, more broadly, if we're truly living harmoniously, we will be more than a win or even a win-win, but should strive each day to make all of our activities a win-win-win or even the ultimate quadruple win. Let's now look at some analogies and examples that will help us to understand harmony even better. The first one that readily comes to mind is from the music world. An orchestra is a great example. Typically, within an orchestra, there are four different sections. The strings, the woodwind, the percussion, and the brass sections. Now, all these four sections can be balanced, meaning that they each take their turns in an orchestra. First the strings, then the woodwind followed by the percussion and ending with the brass. However, they become more than the sum of their parts when they start blending harmoniously together rather than playing separately or in turn. Now, there will be times where there may be only one or two sections playing, but most of the time they will be playing either together or intricately interwoven, achieving beautiful music that not a single section or even two sections could achieve by themselves. We even have a saying that a group of people make beautiful music together, 
even when they are not producing musical sounds, but rather because they are working harmoniously together as a team. Speaking of teams, I like to play games, and I think we usually play games for one of three reasons. The first is to win. The second is that we enjoy the people we play with. And the third is for the actual love of the game itself. Computer or video games are a specific type of game which is proven to have some limited therapeutic effects in patients with certain diseases or injuries. However, it has also been proven to have detrimental biopsychosocial effects to include a psychiatric disorder called internet gaming disorder. Now, why is that? The reason is that computer games pander to our psychologic dimension and that dimension's desire to win. This then frequently downplays the love of the game, and since these computer games are usually single-player, it ignores other people in our social dimension. Now, this lack of integrating the social dimension is problematic in two important ways. The first aspect is that playing alone prevents us from interacting with others, which actually minimizes our satisfaction with any activity, to include video games, since we really enjoy something more when you do it with others. This happens in all of life, from eating to work and family life. The second aspect is that the social dimension can prevent harms as well. The reason for this is that the social relationships reinforce common social norms, such as you shouldn't yell and curse and fume if you lose the game, which you might be more tempted to do if you're playing all by yourself. Now, this is important because without this social limitation, we have complete impunity to yell, curse, or fume at the computer. This ends up harming selfless love and temperance, two of our virtues. On the other hand, group games mitigate the psychologic desire to win by balancing it with the other two goals of playing games through incorporating the social dimension by loving the people we're with while also supporting our spiritual dimension by promoting the virtues. In a group, we are reminded that it's not all about winning, that we need to respect others, and as a consequence, we will also tend to respect the game more by following the rules more fairly and consistently. Our spiritual virtues are exercised and strengthened through the play of the game and with the assistance of the social dimension, thus enabling us to engage three dimensions of our humanity, and perhaps even a fourth dimension if our game also includes exercise. Now, a practical application of play. We have four children. Our three sons are now adults, and our daughter is in her later teens. However, when they were young, we wanted to limit their video game time because we understood that too much video game time was not helpful and potentially harmful. Back then, we didn't understand this whole multidimensional aspect of our humanity, but we just practically knew that too much video game time wasn't good for them. So, we went ahead and limited them to 20 minutes per week. Now, that sounds pretty stringent, but it had several beneficial effects. The first effect was that if you limit something, and you don't get it all the time, it then is more of a special treat rather than an expectation or even a necessity. This prevents hedonic adaptation and preserves the specialness of the activity. The second thing that was interesting was that we merely told them that they had 20 minutes per week, but we didn't tell them how to keep track of the time. 
However, we had some very administratively gifted children who also had a keen sense of justice and fair play, and so they decided to write down everyone's video game time. They commonly did not play all their time in a single sitting, so they knew that maybe they only had 5 minutes and 22 seconds left of video game time left. Although limiting the time made it more special, the kids also mutually enforced the rule regarding their video game time and thus instilling justice, a virtue. There was one other thing that happened that was truly interesting. Because it was such a precious commodity, everyone wanted to join in on the fun and action. So, in spite of the fact that it was a solitary player video game, when someone was going to play, the yell went out across the house, Hey guys, I'm going to do my video game time! Then everyone descended upon the computer screen like moths to the light bulb, and they all enjoyed cheering on their sibling, who was playing. Although we didn't necessarily design it to be so, it ended up becoming an activity that integrated the social, the psychological, and the spiritual dimensions. Let's talk a little bit more about entertainment, because that's an activity that we spend a lot of time on. Now, on-demand personal screens certainly do pander to the psychologic, as opposed to group viewing that naturally incorporates the social dimension. There are three advantages of watching shows together. The first is the fact that we need to sometimes defer to another's preference for shows, thus promoting our virtue of selfless love. The second is that we have a shared experience of watching the show together, creating a memory that ties people closer. For instance, I fondly remember watching, for everyone's first time, the Lord of the Rings movies together with my sons. The third advantage is that it both enhances and deepens any subsequent communication and makes that communication more efficient. In social company, I might use a Bible, Star Wars, or Lord of the Rings quote, as they are some of my favorite ones. When someone else knows these references, it then brings us to a deeper level of communication than mere descriptive words likely can achieve. However, if I say something like, I find your lack of faith disturbing, and the person has never seen Star Wars, then I'll both need to explain what I'm trying to say using more words and still not be able to convey as much to the other person than if they had seen the show. Now, our application here again relates to our children. We like to watch shows, but again, we knew that watching them too frequently, just like doing too much video game time, would decrease the joy associated with it. So, we decided to watch shows twice a week, usually on Tuesdays and Saturdays. Additionally, my wife even made a you are next sign, fully equipped with a movable dial that is on the refrigerator, indicating whose turn it was to select the next show that we were going to watch. To further make it a special experience, we would always pop popcorn as well. Now, during dinner on those nights, the topic would commonly turn to what show someone was picking. This was usually a good discussion, but occasionally someone would think that someone's selection was stupid, at which I would generally chastise the critic and remind them that they can pick what they want when it's their turn. So, how did this promote our human flourishing? First off, the popcorn provided some biologic benefits while also tasting good psychologically. The good entertainment hopefully was enjoyable psychologically while we were doing it with others in the social realm. Finally, the spiritual dimension was impacted where we facilitated the virtues of justice and fairness while promoting selfless love of the others when it was their turn to pick. 
Now, let's turn from games and entertainment to the spiritual practice of prayer. Even the spiritual dimension means harmony of our dimensions. The Gospel of Matthew relates the account of a father whose son had a seizure disorder that apparently the disciples were unable to cure. Jesus immediately heals the boy, and when the disciples privately asked him later why they couldn't heal the boy, Jesus replied, However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So it's more than just praying in the spiritual dimension or even praying for others, thus touching our social dimension, but it may also require biologic changes such as fasting as seen in this example. Other examples of incorporating our biology in prayer include kneeling or being prone. Other examples of social influences may even include incense, the burning of candles, or congregational singing. Jesus calls upon us to worship God with the fullness of our humanity. This is exemplified in Jesus' response to the question regarding the most important commandment when in the Gospel of Mark Jesus states, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength, quoting the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. So, Jesus really is encouraging us to love God with all the dimensions of our humanity. We will look at issues of balance, self-transcendence, and harmony regarding other important activities that we commonly engage in, such as eating, work, and sex in future podcasts. Today, we've shown the importance of our second criteria of human flourishing, harmony. Harmony is helpful both for us to avoid harming another dimension, thus avoiding disintegration, and to promote multidimensional harmony resulting in optimal flourishing. Remember this week to strive for win-win-win or even a quadruple win. However, we still need to further explain the goods of each dimension that we need to both avoid harming and trying to go about ultimately promoting. Next episode, we'll speak about the basic goods of each dimension and how realizing these basic goods leads to human flourishing. Until then, wishing you increased flourishing as we press towards the goal of completing our humanity. Check out my show notes for references and additional resources. The show is also at rootsofflourishing.buzzsprout.com. Shoot me an email at rootsofflourishing at gmail.com with comments or questions. 